This is the Digital Kung Fu Show, episode 49. Digital Kung Fu is something you should see. Videos and podcasts reveal the digital key. Digital disruption is something you should know. Conquer it and you will soon see your business grow. Answer all the questions. See the road ahead. Know the market strategies. Become a thoroughbred. Know the state of technology. Share it with someone new. And suddenly you will conceive a different point of view. All because you took the time for Digital Kung Fu. Hey guys, so have you been watching the series on TV called The Shark Tank? If you have, then you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. If you haven't, let me just fill you in for a second. Effectively, you walk into the Shark Tank as a business owner and you get to pitch your business to a set of investors, aka sharks, uh, with a view to hopefully procuring investment. And as a result of procuring uh, an investment, you effectively partner with the shark and you go out to hopefully do great things. And I always find it interesting, the perception that you get from uh, people from watching them on TV versus what you get in real life or when you meet them in person. And that's exactly what happened to me this week. When I met one of the sharks, Manus Bertrek, Manus is one of the most well-known entrepreneurs in the country and for good reason. And he's helped, more importantly, others to build multi-million rand businesses too. So Manus really is the real deal when it comes to entrepreneurship. And we talk at length about concepts, concepts about both business and the personal aspects of entrepreneurship. For instance, is an entrepreneur ever really born an entrepreneur by design? How to engage with billionaires when they are advising you? how he approaches investment decision-making and what are the kind of eligibility criteria that he looks for in uh, investable businesses. And also what makes up the ideal character of a entrepreneur today. And interestingly, we talk about meditation. Uh, It's one of Manus's little known passion points. And we talk about how entrepreneurs can use the simple practice of meditation to make better decisions in their businesses. So we do jump around quite a lot, but I thoroughly enjoy chatting to Manus, and I hope you will enjoy this episode as much as I did. So without further ado, enter Manus Britrick. Hello, guys, and welcome back to another edition of the Digital Kung Fu Show. We are fast approaching the 50th episode. Today is a very special day because finally I have my second shark in the studio, Manus. Hey, Matt. How are you doing, bud? I'm great. I'm great. How are you doing? Lucky in you, man. Very cool. It's so great to finally meet you. you. You're far less intimidating in person than you are on TV, by the way. What do you mean? I'm not intimidating at all. <laughs> no, I know. Most of our listeners will probably be aware of who you are um, if they had to have access to TV and, I suppose, secondly, a passion for business. Um, but where? what are the headlines that you would like to share? What's the other story that you'd like to kind of just share with our listeners at this time yeah so last year was a big one for me with shark tank south africa but it was also a big one for me because i sold my company uh, my little baby the bean counter to uh, jsc listed transaction capital and at the end of last year we we finalized the acquisition and i'm now the ceo of the company so in the for the first time in my life how does that feel it feels great I think it's one of the concerns every entrepreneur has when they sell their company and they need to be part of it, that you feel that you're going to work for someone. But the guys at, at Transaction Capital, they're very entrepreneurial. They've built some of the biggest businesses. They're very entrepreneurial. And where we are at this stage, we, it's, 
we're a startup, but with all the resources of a of a corporate. So I've got my entrepreneurial freedom. They've they've been absolutely great. So it still feels like it's my own company. Amazing. So just help me out. How come you haven't been CEO before? So I actually I actually was, but it I always t- uh, termed it managing director. Oh, I see. Um, and now part of a corporate structure. It's it's just a new term. Okay, cool. So I suppose it's a match made in heaven, right? You've got that entrepreneurial culture with the resources of a big corporate, right? I think so. As a startup, you, you're looking for funding or most startups are looking for funding. They're looking for resources. You don't have the, the people to help you. And as a big corporate, you're stuck in this big environment. You've got all the resources, but you're not agile. And the combination of those two where you can still be agile, uh, I'm sitting in board meetings and I've got these four or five billionaire entrepreneurs around the table sitting and brainstorming with me how are we going to build this business and so you've got that you've got the resources you've got endless funding it's just an incredible opportunity yeah let's go back in time i mean where, where in south africa were you born and what would come do you mean did you always know you were going to be an entrepreneur like where, was that your thing are you an entrepreneur by design so the question always comes up to you are you born an entrepreneur or do you become an entrepreneur and i don't think i was born one um, I think I became one, and I was born in the small town of Harry Smith in the okay. Free State. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know where that is? Yeah, I do. It's where you stop on your way to. Yes, that's right. Durban. Going to Durban, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was born and bred there. Went to high school, and then when I finished high school, um, my parents couldn't afford for me to go and and study, and then I stayed in Harry Smith and started articles at a at a local firm there. Did my articles four years um, and my degree part time, and where where it all started really was after that in serious business. But before that, I, I had to get my own pocket money. I had to pay my own school fees, my own varsity fees. So I always tried different things on the side to to make it happen. Yeah, who was a bigger influence when you look back at your kind of early years, teenage years or whatever? Um, who was probably probably the bigger influence on you when it came to thinking like an entrepreneur? Was it your mom, your dad, you have an uncle or a brother? It was definitely not family. It wasn't close or people that I knew even. Um, from, a, from a young age, I, I started reading autobiographies and I I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and that was the first Me one. Me too. I, that was my first who, business book. Who gave that to you? I can't even remember. You know, my dad gave me that book. Okay. That's what actually sparked my interest. Yeah, it just makes you think different. Yes. Differently. Yeah. And um, and the biggest the biggest person in my in my in my life, which again I, I still haven't met him. I had an opportunity last year and I, I couldn't make it. But Richard Branson, I read his oh, autobiography. Wow. Um, Screw it, let's do it. Yes. So it's it's even in a book. And sometimes people ask me about mentorship and how do you get to these people. And I say you you actually don't know. There's there's so much knowledge out there. There's so much on the internet. There's there, there are lots of books you can actually just read. And that was my first, first real motivation to, to be an entrepreneur. So you haven't actually had the, had the chance to meet Richard yet? I haven't. You haven't. And so just scenario plan, if you, you know, if you walked in here now, I mean, what would you want to say to him? So it's funny. So uh, as I said, I had the chance to meet him last year, but I, uh, I couldn't make it. And, and, and we're busy with something exciting now where I might actually have a chance to meet him again. But I don't know. I think we, we can have a great chat. And ever since... I read his book. I've met great entrepreneurs, people who build giant organizations and brands. And yeah, I think it would just be a good chat like any un- other entrepreneur. If just, I've been, I've never met a billionaire. Are you a billionaire? What currency are we talking? <laughs> <laughs> That'll do. That'll no, do. I'm, uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not a billionaire as yet. 
Okay. So um, the rupee wouldn't quite qualify for it then. They, then I would be a billionaire. Okay, you would be. Okay, cool. All right. Well, that's close enough. But I guess <laughs> I guess for me, I'd be completely intimidated. So I was interested when you mentioned now, when you in your current you know scenario context where you have a, literally a board of billionaires advising you. I mean, what's how do you approach engaging someone who you have such deep respect for? I think it's easy now because we're in the same business and I'm, I'm, I'm equal to, to them yeah. in, in, in that sense. So it's, it's easy now, but I, I always think like business is, I don't know, for me, when, when you close the door and you're in a boardroom, it's always equal playing field for me. And even on the other side, you might be a construction worker walking into my boardroom um, asking for funding and I don't look down. Um, I don't think I'm better than you. We're entrepreneurs and we make it work. And my, the way I saw entrepreneurship was different before. And I'll tell, tell you the story. So we were sitting at the Branson Center of Entrepreneurship. Yeah. And there was this guy pitching a little shoe business where you would like fetch, fetch your shoes and then take it home and wash it and then bring it back the next day. And I said to the guy next to me, what a stupid little business. You're never going to scale this. You're never going to grow this. And the guy said to me, you know what, Manas, entrepreneurship is not about how much money you make. It's about the fact that you're taking a risk and you're starting your own business and you're no longer relying on a payslip. And that guy is providing for his family now and he's probably earning more now. And it might be small to you, it might be five or 10,000 rand a month, but he's providing to his family. And that just made me realize and a switch went on. on it doesn't matter whether, whether you're doing 5,000 or 50,000 or 5 million a month. Mm. It's about really being an entrepreneur and that really changed my outlook on entrepreneurship. So I, I might be speaking to a billionaire or I might be speaking to a startup. For me, it's the same. It's people who is creating something. Yeah. Um, well, before we started talking, we're officially now recording and whatever, but we're talking off, off air and I was filling in on what I'm doing. And I wanted to share something that kind of echoes what you've just shared. So I was standing up in front of um, a client of mine, but in front of the whole company explaining to them what I was doing or going to be doing. And I'd never been so fucking scared in my life. But, and you know what the irony was? I've spoken at hundreds of conferences, hundreds. Mm. I've, I'm not the guy who gets nervous before he stands up in front of a room full of people like yourself. But what changed for me was the fact that it was mine and that it was, and this has happened previously when I've started other businesses, but this just somehow really jumped for me this time. Yeah. I don't know why, but <clears throat> the stakes are so high to your point. I mean, it's like if, for instance, so the agency space, if I lose or if my company, if, if um, the company that I work for loses a Vodacom, it's an account. Yeah. But if I lose a small company or one of my small clients, that's like affecting me personally. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And so for that dichotomy, it's just like, it's nerve wracking to say the least. I get you, yeah. Mm. And so, to, I mean, how does, let's, let's explore that a bit more. I mean, we know that it's a high stakes game. How, I mean, in your world, of course, you need to make decisions quickly and all the time. I mean, take your investment criteria, for instance, and investing in all these companies. And we know that you exited a lot of those and now you're focusing on this one thing, Bean Counter, which is great. Makes sense, right? But when you look back at all those different um, investments that you made, how did you approach that same kind of emotional uh, currency? Like what was your thought process or was there any criteria that you were looking for? How do you make decisions? Like, yeah, what's sure. 
I think the longer you do it, the more you get into it and the better decisions you make. And it might be a gut feel or, I don't know, maybe it's knowledge or something. <laughs> but in the, so we can break it up in the, in the startup space. It, it's so high risk. Um, it, it's never about the business or the product. It's always about the entrepreneur. It's really about the people. And initially I would have made a decision because I thought it's a great business or there's a great business plan or it's a great product. But if, if you don't have the right jockey riding that horse, it's, it's going to fail. So nowadays I, I 100%, I look at the, at the people and the entrepreneurs driving it. I'm not interested. So everyone's talking about this. I've got this great big idea. I don't care. Um, I really care about you, the entrepreneur. Are you going to wake up early and go to bed late and, and make this work? And most people say they would. But, but very few do. Yeah, no, it's true. I've seen that. Um, how would you define the ideal character of an entrepreneur today? So uh, let me give you some context, right? Yeah. So let's assume that you've got 100 points and you want to distribute and you can distribute those points however you see fits across three levers. One is EQ, the ability to relate to someone. One is IQ, you know what that means. Yeah. And the other one is grit. How do you spend those 100 points? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there. I know being an entrepreneur can be a very lonely experience. You sometimes get stuck, don't you? Well, if you're like me, being stuck sucks. But what if you could access the minds of over 850 CEOs who have built companies generating billions of dollars in revenue and access all of that knowledge in a fraction of a second? Well, the good news is you can literally do that today. What my team have built is Matt Brown AI. It is trained on all the interviews, over 850 of them that I've done to date, all my books, all the knowledge capital that has been generated over the last 10 years right here on the Matt Brown Show. And you can get access to all of that right now for free. So how do you get access to this? Well, head on over to mattbrownshow.com and at the top you'll see community. Hit that link, sign up, it's absolutely free and you'll be given instant access to Matt Brown AI and a community of over 100,000 subscribers. I think you're going to fail if you lack any any one of them. Um, I don't know. EQ is probably the the one that I would say the highest. But but grid also like you need to hustle and you you need to make it work. But it, it's so much about your emotional intelligence and, and and what you do with that as well. So I don't know. I would say a third, a third, a third. Yeah. But I would quit if any any part isn't there. isn't there. Yeah. Yeah. Motivation's key, right? Especially for startup founders. I was talking to Brent Spilkin. I don't know whether you've run into him before. He's a business coach. I mean, he was running. Sorry, Brent. <laughs> Brent, sorry, dude. <laughs> oh, We're it, talking about is you. It Brent. Brent. Oh, Brent. 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 Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's yeah. a great guy. He's actually my coach now, funnily enough. Okay, so awesome. he was on the show and he's got a great backstory as well. And he was talking about how he was running a hundred million rand a year company. They were the biggest supplier of mango acha, actually. Oh, wow. And then the markets changed and uh, sunflower oil prices like literally went from one rand a liter to nine rand. And because of the volumes of the business, the economies basically just put the thing in the dirt and they were losing money over fist and eventually the business went under. But now if he's using all these lessons to be kind of you know, coach creative companies, he's got like, I think his clients collectively now turn over like a billion rand a year. Anyway, long story short, we were talking about motivation of an entrepreneur. And I said to him, because he is developing this tool which is gonna which basically is designed to unpack the motivation of founders or entrepreneurs. Yeah. So we're talking about we're calling it like test the jockey. 
Okay. So what it would be doing would be giving you a very clear sense as to whether or not this entrepreneur is in fact going to work until 12 or 1 o'clock in the morning. Do you sure, know what I mean? Sure, yeah, yeah. Is that something that would be of interest to you, just out of interest? Definitely. I think so, but I would want to try and test it and see if it's actually going to work because over the years I've been through stages where I think this is it. This this is the success recipe for an entrepreneur. And then I do my next deal or next business and then it fails because I thought that was the success. And then it wasn't. So I don't know. I I think I'll write a book when I do know, or I'll use your tool when, when, when it does work. But I, I, I honestly don't know what that secret is. Okay. Let's talk about TED Talks. <laughs> okay. If, okay. Grab if you, the water. If you yeah, grab the water. Here we go. Here we go. If you were going to do a 20 minute TED Talk, what would you talk about? So at the end of last year, I had to, I had to come up with a new talk and I, I use a guy, um, by the name of Dave from, uh, no, I'm not going to remember his company name. Something zero. Sorry, Dave. <laughs> um, and and he helped me to to get to a topic and and then content. And he said you need to give one last talk, and that that would be your life. And what would you what what's the message that you would share? And I came up with a thing, and I said that the the one message that I've got is that we shouldn't look at business and just think business is this hardcore bad place where, where the bad guys always win. Like in my experience, everything is always the good, kind, humble guys. They, they are actually the guys that, that win. And to bring business closer to what we do in life, the bigger purpose of life. So I think TED Talk is to say that we need to be kind and we need to be humble, but we also create our own realities and Whatever we, whatever we've experienced in our past and whatever we think that creates our reality. So I think a combination of those two. Yeah. Do you think that there is such a thing as a real, as reality when it comes to being an entrepreneur? Again, I think you create your own reality. Um, and I think that's, that's a critical characteristic of mm. an entrepreneur is that you need to create your own reality. So you'll find that the most successful entrepreneurs are the craziest people because mm. they just believe that something was possible and everyone else said no and they created that. So I think you create your own reality and as an entrepreneur, you can't read the news and listen to the news and then think that that, that, that is life. We're living in an economy that's growing at less than 2%. Mm. If I'm an entrepreneur and I'm going to come to work thinking that oh, economy is growing less than 2%, you can't think like that. You need to create a reality for yourself to say that I'm in it. To win my, it. My yeah. business is going to grow massively. Yeah. I don't care about economy. Like really create your own reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm finding that. I mean, I mean, if there was one thing that when you look at the business world in South Africa specifically, I mean, you can pick the relationship between or the dynamics between startups and corporates, for instance. But what, what is one big injustice that you see in South Africa at the moment with your unique viewpoint on the world? Injustice, I think maybe the lack of education for for entrepreneurs. You're talking about entrepreneurs, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think the the lack of the lack of knowledge and the warped perception that aspiring entrepreneurs have there. I think it's it's cruel to them because I see people quitting their co- corporate job at the age of fifty, taking their pension, putting it into a startup business, which is a retail little retail business that put one or two million rand in there. 12 months later, they don't have anything, anything le- left of the, that business. I think, um, 
students finishing varsity and they don't have anywhere to go. They, they don't find in the formal employment. They don't find formal employment. And I think it's cruel that we, that we leave people in that, in that space where there's mm-hmm. not enough education about entrepreneurship and how to make it in, in a business world. And it's got really bad um, if, effects or after effects on, on the people making those decisions. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. I was talking to Chipo Moshwanga from Alpha Code last week about this exact thing. And she was, because she's from Zim and she came here when she was 19. And throughout, and she did her MBA, the whole thing. So she's a very smart woman, overqualified in many respects. And she, entrepreneurship as a path was never made obvious for her. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and I went to a great school. I went to Wambuk Boys High, you know, one of the oldest schools in the country, if not the year or whatever. But did they, did they really teach you entrepreneurship? No, no, that's exactly no. it. They didn't. And it's like, where is that space? Like, why isn't someone filling in that space? For sure. And our younger generation, I think that's kind of what's left for us is entrepreneurship. For, formal, formal employment is no longer an option. And I, I think with BEE and everything being pushed more in, into the workplace, for, especially for white kids, formal employment is, is not an option. The corporates are more and more under pressure to get the employment equity right. Uh, government is not, an, is not an option for the young for the young uh, people. So entrepreneurship is really the, the, the only one left. And it's not about race. I'm just saying that white mm. um, kids have it a little bit harder. It's, there's, there's no option other than entrepreneurship, but yet that's the last thing we get taught at, at school. Yeah. So if you, let's fast forward five, 10 years and you know, now you are a daughter billionaire. <laughs> uh, what would you do spending your time? How would you spend your time? It's interesting. I'm not. I'm not a guy. I'm not a materialistic guy, and I don't want to stay in the biggest house and drive the fanciest car. I'm very happy with what I have and where I am. And okay, I've okay. been. I've, stop, stop, stop. What car do you drive? Uh, Mercedes. Which kind? Uh, GLC. Yeah, GLC. Okay, GLC. Okay. So it, it, it's still a nice car, but it's it's. I always say luxurious, but not excessive. Yeah. So I'm not driving a Ferrari. It's not a C63 AMG. No. Okay. No. Hmm. And but I don't want that. I don't yeah. want all these these other things. So where I am in my life, it's kind of a nice place to be because I'm not chasing. I'm not chasing after that. And you get those entrepreneurs and people that's just chasing and chasing and chasing and chasing and chasing, and they ne- they're never happy with what they've got. So I'm definitely not there. So I think even with whatever amount of money I would be doing what I'm what I'm doing now, I still have a dream. Maybe in three years to go to a monastery and just be there for six months or a year and just become a monk and. Really? Yeah. What do you, what would you hope to gain from would be spiritual enlightenment, awareness? I'm very I'm very into Eastern religions and wow. and, and traditions. I think in my previous life I, I was definitely somewhere really? in Thailand or or China. Um no, I think we they've got it right and I think our Western world um we we need to catch up to to what what the Eastern people got right. And I think especially in business now, meditation is becoming a huge thing in in the Western world, but it's been for ages in the Eastern side. So just the way they see life, um, um, I do a lot of Buddhist teachings that I listen to. I meditate myself. um, And I think there's there's something unique about that life that I would definitely like to explore. What kind of meditation do you do? Because it's like, how many are there? I mean, geez. 
So there, there are a lot of different kinds of meditation and people often, they, they think again it's this Eastern thing and other religions. But meditation is just focusing on one thing and that might be whatever you do, you focus on your breath. Or um, So I do guided meditations where I would listen to something or just switch off for 20 minutes and just try and focus on my on my breath. Yeah, okay. So talk to me through like a, a morning. Like when, what time do you wake up? What do you do before you get to work? Like what are cool. your morning routines? So I wake up 10 to 4 um, every morning. Um, so my, my alarm gets, goes off at 3.50. And I wake up and I spend an hour with myself. I call it my holy hour. And I do three things. I meditate. I do a journal of the of the previous day. So it's, this is actually cool because for the last four years I've done this now. So it's so cool to go back a year and see on this day the whatever FEP. Mm-hmm. I've done this or, and then suddenly you realize where you were just a year or two years ago. Mm-hmm. So that's been interesting. So I meditate, I journal and I listen to, to a teaching. And then I get up and I go to gym for about an hour. I do breakfast there. Congratulations. Yeah. Well done. Jeez. And then I start my day at eight. Okay. Um, work till six. Can I talk to you more about your journal? Because yes. I've just started um, journaling myself actually. And there's this app. I got it off Tim Ferriss, but it was the five minute journal. Okay. Is that what you use? Like, what are you, what are you specifically journaling about? There's been stages where I said I want to write about five things every day, what I've been grateful for and what happened. And, but, um, I'm not doing that now. I'm just writing about the, the previous day. So things that happened, thoughts that came into my mind, where we are with the business, what, what we're doing. So really just spending 10 minutes, just getting, Yesterday out of my, out of my mind. And then also like last paragraph is, uh, what I want to change about yesterday. What, what, what worked and what didn't work. Okay. And then you, are you looking both introspectively as well as outside of yourself? Yeah, definitely both sides. And it depends where I am, but nowadays that I'm, I'm really focused on the business again. It's, it's mostly business. So when you're going back and you're reviewing what you were writing a year ago, is it just the, the nature of the content or are you writing things that make you feel that you're more in touch with who you really are? No, it's crazy. It's, it's absolutely crazy. I think as, as human beings, we, we never realize where we were. We're always like looking now where I am now and you, you kind of forget where you were. And I think that's something special about the journal now where I would look back one year ago and I'm like, yes, minus who, who were you? Why did you think this? Uh, it's completely different now. So I think from, from all angles, it's, it's completely different going back. Do you share what you write? Never. Just simple, no, no. <laughs> no, it's it's me, and I think if I if I if I'm thinking of sharing, then I then I might constrain myself to what I would be yeah. would be writing. And are you writing into an app? Is it a, yes. a physical book? So it's or? called Day One. It's an app. is that an actual app? Yeah, okay. it's an app called Day One. Day One. Uh, so okay. it syncs on your iPad and 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 computer and. And phones, so you've got it everywhere. Of course, yes, you're the, you're the three-screen guy. Kind of cool. Plus offline book guy at the same time. That's the one, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. So I want to talk to you about your current baby, the bean counter. I'm a client of yours, full disclosure. Um, although we don't do promotional PR pieces, but I will say um, that the concept's awesome. I mean, the first the experience has actually been re- really good. I'll give you an example. So I walked into your office for the first time, and it's got that pat that that corridor, and on the left hand side you got the chalkboard, 
Oh, yes. And it says, welcome, and then my name was written there. And I was like, yeah, right. It's only because it's the first time I'm coming here. And I came, I've been there three times. And on the third time, my name was still up on the board. Oh, that's great to hear. So I was like, that shit doesn't exist. And, and we were talking about the fact that I'm in the professional services game. And that service is just such a wanting thing in many respects here in South Africa. I mean, is that what you built Bean Counter to do? I mean, was it based on the Zappos principle? Mm. Yeah, so Bean Counter is, a, is an accounting firm, and we had this desire to do more than your traditional accounting firm. But it remains a personal service. It's a personal service because we get a qualified accountant to look after you. And we try and hire the very best people. We try and give them everything that they, they need to give you a great service. We, we employ great, deploy great technology. Is it technology? Great technology. To, to help, to help them. But at the end of the day, it's still up to a person to, to service you. And it's, it's account managers looking, looking after you. And we, we get it right 99% of the time. We haven't lost a, a client in the last six years due to bad service. We, we fired a couple of, of clients. So it is about service. It is about bringing great technology together. Uh, we're not perfect, but we, when, when we do pick it up, we definitely make it right. Um, and for, for as long as there's humans in the equation, there'll always be problems. But it's definitely one of the unique things that we are selling is, is service. Why does Bean Counter exist? I mean, why did you start it? So at the age of 22, when I finished my articles, I was working on a big audit. And we ended the audit and we gave them a bill of millions. And we didn't add any value to that business. And I did articles for four years where there's like really no value for the, for the business owner. And as a small business owner, you, you want value, you want to save tax, you want to know what's working in your business, what you can do differently. But accountants traditionally, they, they just work on your compliance work. They make sure you, you file your VAT returns mm-hmm. and your tax returns, but they don't give any value. So the desire was there to create, to create a firm that, that can actually, that can actually add value to the small business owner. Yeah. I mean, that's, Exactly what, I mean, that's spot on as well in terms of the, the insights. So it's interesting that you came up with it when you weren't actually doing the books for a small business. It was kind of like, you know what I mean? Yes. yes it was the yes. other way around. And um, where are you taking it? I mean, where's it going to go? So we, we, we're very passionate about small businesses and I'm very passionate about entrepreneurs and my team, we share that, we share that passion. But as I said, it's a, it's a personal services business. So you, you can, we managed to scale it into a nice business, but it's not, you can't scale it indefinitely. And where we, where, so last year we sold to Transaction Capital, a majority share and Transaction Capital has got a business unit where they're funding SMEs, small businesses. So we're doing great accounting services. We understand the cloud and technology. And on their side, they're funding, funding SMEs. So we're working very closely together now to create technology where we can help fund SMEs. So that's definitely the project for the next two months. We, we're going live with an app on the 1st of May of this year. And what we're going to do and our mission is going to be to help small businesses to give them money so that they can grow their businesses. Wow. And what's the kind of, I mean, who would qualify for something like that? So pretty much any, any SME, um, we're doing it on the back of invoicing invoices. So if you raise an invoice uh, to, a, to a customer, but that customer is only going to pay you in 30 or 60 days, then we're going to advance those funds to you um, the moment you raise the invoice um, and you'll have cash 30 or 60 days earlier to, to grow your business. Okay, so you're solving that cash flow problem basically. Yes, um, Zero, which is an international cloud accounting app. Um, 
They've growing aggressively in the in the South African market, and they've just released research now last week on the biggest obstacle for SMEs in South Africa, and they came out with the biggest thing uh, hampering growth for SMEs in South Africa is cash flow and the fact that they don't have funds to to grow their to mm. grow their business. So I think being passionate about entrepreneurship and and SMEs, it's a great thing for us to say that we're going to try and solve the biggest issue for SMEs at the moment. And are you going to be looking at SMEs period or will it be in a specific type of SME to start out with? I mean, as a, you know, tech players, for instance, you know what I mean? Fintech or health tech, must you have a tech related play or? So it's not a completely new business. Uh, the guys at Transaction Capital, uh, they're already doing it through a business called Transaction Capital Business Solutions. So they're already doing it SMEs from all over any industry, um, any, any business, um, in, any, any size of business, it doesn't really matter. But what's going to be different is the banks, they don't want to finance small businesses for very good reason. They fail, but um, we, we are creating those solutions where SMEs can get funding. I want to talk to you about startups for a second. There's, I mean, I had Steve Pinto on the show. He's a young guy. Um, he's much younger than you and even young, more younger than me. <laughs> <laughs> But he was. <laughs> what is he? Twelve. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> oh, funny man. But anyway, so he he's just I actually funny enough he's a guy you guys should have a coffee with. But I think he's he's just doing some incredibly exciting things in tech. He's like a tech guy by design, you know. Plus he's an entrepreneur. Okay. He used to import noodles and eyes building VR educational experiences. It's a fucking mess. But he's just such an incredible guy. But he was talking to me and again, it's another tech thing that he's built is this alarm system. He's saying like, you know, as a country, South Africa, we don't build any security products like outside of the trail, the trail door, mm. you know, and he's saying, but look at the home alarm systems like that, that space has stayed the same forever for as long as you know, I yep. can remember. Anyway, so he developed this pure proof of concept. He went to M labs, I think it was, and they, he went, he won the thing, but they changed the terms and conditions. So the story goes so that instead of winning a hundred thousand, it was split over 10 winners and it was 10 grand. And he was basically landing the point that corporates don't take startups seriously enough. Would you agree with that? Um, I think they don't, they don't, they don't. Yeah. Um, I think the SMEs are in and startups are in a difficult space because they want to, they want to make it work. But at the end of the day, many of them fail. So what kind of support do they really want to get from the corporates? Corporates are chasing profits and they're chasing shareholder value. So does a corporate really want to give time or money to, to a little startup that's most probably going to fail as a corporate? Why would I want to do business with a startup when I can do it with a reputable company that I know is actually going to deliver my, yeah. my goods and, and, and services? So I think the failure of startups is, is the reason why corporates and banks and investors don't support, don't support the startups. Can we blame them for that? I don't think we can. Mm. They're in it to make money. Um, banks don't give SMEs money because they're going to lose it. Investors don't want to give startups money because they're going to lose it. Corporates don't want to work with startups because there's a risk of losing. <laughs> and that's why we rely on government because when it's tax money, we don't care if we lose it. Yeah. But, but but then why does the ecosystem exist? Because it seems to me like you get there's I think there's uh, Zach George was telling me there's a thousand accelerators, sorry, incubators on the African continent. Um, Alpha Code exists to do that. Funnily yep. enough, that one thing, and then there's countless other examples. You know, we won't mention names now, but there's so many of these people trying to create that bridge. Simply because startups need to scale, corporates can't innovate, and so is there not 
actually that, you know, can we not scratch backs and make something great happen? Yeah, sure. And I think, like you say, there are many companies and incubators like that trying to get funding from corporates and then push that funding onto, onto startups. And corporates are keen to do that because they know that that startup is not on, they're not on their own and they've got this incubator who's actually going to help with the, with the, with the process of, of doing that. So I definitely think it's, it's happening, but all of that takes time and the return on investment isn't, isn't always great. Um, but corporates are def- definitely mm. giving giving cash to the incubators to to mm. help them. Yeah, that's interesting. I was given a great quote once about that dynamic. It sums it up. It's like if you're gonna if you're a startup in this case an ant, and you want to get in bed with an elephant, don't expect the elephant to behave like an ant. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Doesn't that sum it up? Love it. In terms of the actual engagement, yeah. that's pretty much what you were saying. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. And I don't know if. If I'm a discovery of this world, how many startups do you want to, want to speak to discovery? So I think like probably they get like, I don't know, discovery can help us out here, but 5,000 emails or requests for meetings in, in a month because the next startup is just going to get to this, yeah. this, this idea. So I think there's also so much clutter. If I take the emails that I got in the last six months or messages, it's, please tell me how many you got. So actually, yesterday I cleared a, a inbox because I just couldn't couldn't attend to it, and just in that inbox was six hundred, six hundred. And these people, these are like startups. Give me money. Dif- different things. It's um, yesterday I got a great message from someone saying that I just registered my company at the CIPC. Now I need a business plan. What do you suggest? Oh my gosh! Uh, <laughs> so so really, people that's got like absolutely nothing to people that's got great businesses who just want partnership and and advice so a a bit of everything i i think in the probably like i don't know thousands definitely more than more than a thousand messages and what i'm what i'm trying to say is these corporates are also inundated with all these little startups and they can't attend to everyone and Mm -hmm. there's a lot of clutter so how do they actually manage it and i think for that reason they do the incubators and for for that reason you're out (laughs) for that reason (laughs) the corporate might be in (laughs) Sorry, you were saying? No, and I think uh, sometimes as a startup, that's the ant-elephant analogy is we expect why, – why, why doesn't one discovery want to listen to me because I've got this amazing idea. But what you don't realize is there's 4,900 other ants trying to, to get onto the, the elephant. It's an invasion. It's an invasion. There's a lot of clutter. It's an epidemic of ants. <laughs> Uh, cool. So, just for the record, then you're not open for investable opportunities at at the moment. I mean, so I'm I'm completely cap- to capacity in terms of time. Um, that's another another message that I get all the time. I don't need money. I just need time. Yeah. I, I wish you you needed money more than what you need time because money they they. Well, I don't want to say there's a lot of it, but you, you can always get money, but you can't get the time. Yeah. Um, so I'm not completely close to it. If if it's anything that would serve our current focus um, between the bean counter, transaction capital, and my existing businesses, then I then I would definitely look at that. Um, but other than that, I'm not I'm not open to any other opportunities now. Okay. So I'm gonna play devil's advocate here. Assuming you were. Yes. Okay. What? And I, I didn't, I'm not sure there's an exact science to this, but if what goes into the ideal pitch deck for you? Because, I mean, I've, let's not talk about Shark Tank. I'm talking about 
if someone you knew referred me yeah. to you, for instance, and I had this idea, what do you want to see? I mean, if there's 10 elements, you want to see this, 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 like what would those, what would those things be? So many of the VC funds out there, they, they give uh, seed capital. So just your first initial investment to, to make your idea come, come true. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not into that. So for me, the first thing is if you just come with an idea, I'm, I'm not interested in that because the issue of that, um, man, it's, there's, there's thousands of entrepreneurs with an idea out there and you don't know whether they can make it. The, they might be a great salesperson, sales guy sitting in front of you and they promise you that they'll work super hard, but they might not make it even though it's a great idea. So for me, when you come to me, you need to have traction. You need to have revenue. You need to have clients. And if you come to me and you say, Manas, I've got 10 clients. I'm generating a million rand. This is my plan to get to 100 or 1,000 or 10,000 clients and I'll execute this plan and I just need X amount of money and I need X amount of time. Can you help me with that? Then I would be interested. And it's, it's also the businesses that I was looking for in Shark, uh, shark, in, in shark Tank. Yeah. <laughs> businesses with traction, businesses with entrepreneurs that, that stood there and said, I've got revenue. I now need you to come on board with money and expertise and to grow the business. And uh, sadly, there, there weren't many of them on, on, on Shark Tank. And the business with the most revenue and the most profit that came onto the show was Go's Own Water. And just what we created in the last six months in that business, we've probably grown revenue now 500%. Wow. They were, they were already uh, making uh, a huge amount of profit for a startup when they came into the tank. We've, Turnover is 300% up month on month. Um, we're just growing it rapidly. And that's, that's the business that I'm looking for. Two great entrepreneurs. They don't need me all the time. They're not checking everything. They're hustling on their own. They just needed a little bit of expertise and cash. That's the ideal play for you, isn't it, really? Or for any investor, actually. For sure. People think as an investor, you need to come in there and run their business. That's not what you do as an investor. Yeah. You give money. You maybe do a meeting once a month. You connect them with people, you open doors, but you're not there to run the business. Yeah. On the, on the whole, I mean, I kind of would like to just say also, now that you're here, is that I was shocked at the par standard of the pitches. Do you know what so, I mean? Like, for instance, they just didn't know, like just basic stuff, like they didn't know their numbers. Like what, did, what was your margin last, this last year? Or, you know? Yeah. Or they didn't have a business, your point. I think um, they, a lot of people are saying that about the show, that the, the quality of businesses weren't great there and the entrepreneurs weren't great and the pitches weren't great. Um, Rapid Blue was the production company on the show, was absolutely amazing in, in, in the whole production and I think the, the end product was amazing. But whatever they produced on that show was 100% reality. When there's, there's nothing fake about Shark Tank. There's nothing that they come in and say, we must say this or say that. Absolutely not. Um, the producers never stopped the show. We just door closed. We had a boardroom meeting. They exited and they edited with whatever they had. <laughs> and in, to answer your question is I think the pitches and the entrepreneurs that you saw in the tank is 100% a reflection of what is out in South Africa in the market. So we think that those people don't know their numbers. The reality is most entrepreneurs on the outside world don't know their numbers. Hmm. And for me, working with hundreds, thousands of entrepreneurs, mm. it was 100% a reflection. What we saw in the tank is what, what's happening on the outside. Is it fixable? It's coming back to what I said earlier, lots of education. 
I think the show played an important role there is to educate yeah. people about business, about entrepreneurship, about investment. But we need to have massive campaigns from government, from private sector to, to educate, from schools, from universities to educate entrepreneurs to say, what do you actually need to do to, to run a business? Mm. And I, yeah, go ahead, sorry. No, and I think people are committed, and I think we'll see it over time. Yesterday I had a meeting with the deputy commissioner at the CIPC, and CIPC as a, as a whole, they're so committed in, in, in helping entrepreneurs. Government, they, they, they're fully committed in, in, in helping SMEs and entrepreneurs. SARS, they, they're doing a lot. Corporates. As we, as we said earlier, they, it's difficult for them, but I, I think the, the intention is there to, to, do, to do stuff. So I hope we can, we can get it rolled out more. Crazy question. Who do you get on best with in terms of the sharks? Just out of interest. And what's the next question? <laughs> <laughs> so incredible bunch of people. Absolutely incredible. Um, and we've, we've formed really great friendships uh, during the show and after the show. And I would really see them all as, as friends. Um, I don't know. I think Dawn, um, we, we're very close. I spend half my time in Cape Town now, so we oh, go wow. for lunches all the time awesome. and, and drinks. Uh, so, yeah, I think Dawn would probably come out on top. It would be great if you could refer to the Digital Kung Fu show because I'm doing a whole thing on women entrepreneurs because it's funny. It's become a bit of a sausage fest because I, okay. I only work on referrals. And it's funny. I was talking to this with Chifa, and she's yeah. like, why do you guys always refer other guys? Do you know what I mean? So I'll, I'll refer to it to you. Yeah, please, dude, if you don't mind. She actually, it's funny that you say that. I was on the other Cliff Central show with Adrian. Yes. Um, leadership platform. That's right. And she actually got me onto that, that oh, show. Exactly. So this what's is happened? a little bit of karma okay. coming back All to All right, you. I see what's going on. Okay, cool. All right, so we'll come full circle, clearly. <laughs> Kung Fu circle. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. Um, last part of the show, rapid fire questions, and then we'll let you go. Perfect. It's not really rapid fire. I just teared up like that. Okay. Okay, cool. So if you were to put your entrepreneurial journey onto a billboard, what would that billboard say? Hard work. Great. Rapid. Excellent. <laughs> rapid. Rapid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> what keeps you up at night? From from stressing point of view, absolutely nothing. Um, really? No. No. How do you get that right? I never stress when I eat my pillow. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I sleep. Um, I'm excited the next morning to, to get up. Sometimes I, I don't even want to shower. I'm just so excited to, to get, to get to work. Um, no, I think we, we, we're running a great business and we, we care about people. And I said it in another interview today. I've never, I've never stood in court. We've never been to a labor court. We've never been to CCMA, nothing like that. So I think everything is done with a good conscience. The intention is always there to help our clients. We're not there to steal anyone's money. So I don't think there's a reason. Whatever we could have done, we've done. Sorry, just I have to ask you, do you drink alcohol? I do. Okay. Is that why you sleep so well? Why are you asking that question? <laughs> no, because it's interesting because it's coping mechanisms, right? And like, I don't know, like I don't run a portfolio of companies that you do. I don't have anywhere near the, the stress. And yet I'm t pillow tossing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And sometimes it's like… But in a good way or a bad way? Uh, it's both sometimes. Okay. Uh, you know, obviously if I, I'd be lying if I said it was all rosies. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, how do you cope? I mean, what's… Do you have any unique coping mechanisms when it gets super stressful for you? 
I, I think from uh, the way I, I live my life by training in the morning, by meditating, I think that that already helps a lot. Um, when I go to bed, I know that whatever we could have done, uh, we've done that day. Um, but I, I've just never been a, a guy who's stressed about things that I couldn't couldn't do anything about. Okay, if you could go back in time, it's not and, alcohol. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we, we've established that. <laughs> if you could go back in time and give yourself one piece of advice about life or business, but to yourself as a 20-year-old, what would that be? I think in business, there's a couple of big lessons that I've learned, and I'll quickly sum it up. One is to focus on one thing, to have solid, clear focus on one thing. I chased too many business opportunities at the same time in my in my younger life. I wouldn't have done that. Two, I would have hired a lot more people in the beginning, I always thought I could do it myself and could do it better than better than anyone else. Um, yeah, that's that's in business. In in personal, I don't know. I I was all, there. There were things that was more important in my life previously, and now it's really just caring about other people and making sure I'm happy and I'm making other people happy. Materialistic and anything like that is no longer no longer part of my part of my life or what I desire to have. Yeah, amazing. If I were to give you 10 of the brightest students in South Africa right now, they're sitting in the room next door, and I asked you to teach them something that would inspire them to become or follow in your footsteps, quote-unquote, what would you teach them? We spoke, we've spoken about it. I think meditation is the biggest secret that's been kept away from the Western world. I'll teach them to meditate. Really? It's also answering the question why I'm relaxed and not stressing. I think just quieting your mind. Mm. Um, and I think it's something we, we're lacking. And in this age where we constantly on the phone, multitasking, doing lots of things, um, our brain, we, we never switch off. And I think just training your mind to relax a bit, to just focus on one thing, um, just to clear. And there's great research coming out now where they're saying that it's actually you, you're getting more intelligent. There's a lot of cool things happening in the, in the hmm. actual brain because of meditation. And I think it's been helping me a lot in business. And from what other people are saying in business, um, it's, it's really making a difference. Have you heard of an app called Headspace? No, it, it sounds familiar, but I, I don't know. I'm going to punt it. They're not a sponsor. But it's a meditation app. What about the bean counter? No, <laughs> we've done that. We've done that. We covered that. We did a good job on that one. <laughs> but it's called Headspace. Download yeah. it. Um, you get 10 days of meditation for free. Okay. Not like as in 10, 24 hours, but you get 10 sessions of meditations. And it's an English dude, very great quality produced um, uh, program, audio course. And I've tried it. And I only got through like three days, if I'm honest. But if someone's interested in just trying it out, yeah, I would suggest trying Headspace. It's the the biggest uh, community in the world for meditation. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. okay, yeah. very cool. I'm using actually another one, so let's pan them. Okay, cool. Well. Let's do it. Um, let me just check in my phone. It's called Inside Timer. So I don't know if Headspace... Inside Timer. Inside Timer. Yeah. Okay, okay. And I don't know if Headspace is the same thing, but it's like a little social media of people who meditate. Okay. So I can add you as a friend and then I can actually see... Oh, really? ...that you meditated. Like that day? Yeah. And can you see like how many meditation minutes yeah, I've spent? Really? So like guided meditation. So I'll go in and I'll say, cool, Matt meditated on this. Let me try it out. So it's a news feed of what your okay. friends are actually So could doing. you recommend stuff for me to try? Yeah, for sure. 
because going back to our point about there's different types of you know guided meditation yeah for sure rad okay cool Cool. I'm going to add you as a friend then. Great. And I'm going to see if you meditate. <laughs> well, I mean, look, but it's true. I mean, it's, and all everyone says the same thing. If you get past the first 10 sessions, mm. it just totally, it's like there's always another level of deepness. And have you found that? No, f- for sure. But there's, there's a lot of myth around it. But people think that um, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to get my mind to focus on my breathing. And then after four seconds, you realize that, your mind is somewhere else and then you try again and it lasts three seconds and then you then you actually realize how yeah your <laughs> your, your your mind is yeah. um because it's just busy all the time and you can't even keep your your mind focused on for four seconds and then as you do it you get better mm. but even like me three years later i'm still struggling with it mm. like um, how long can you focus your attention then it, it comes and goes. It's it's quicker to get back into it now as it as it was, but it's still difficult on some days for me to to do like twenty breaths and and mm-hmm. and just keep my mind keep my mind there. So it's it's an ongoing journey, and people think after meditating for the first ten times, I still can't get my mind to think about it. It meditation is not for me. Yeah. It 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 actually is, and you hmm. you teach your mind. Hmm. When you hear the word successful, who do you think of, and why? Just different people. Last night I watched um, a tribute to Jus van der Westhuizen. Oh, sad. Yeah. yeah, and just I cried my eyes out. But I thought, geez, that's that's success. Um, getting getting to the top of his career in in rugby, then then messing it up slightly on his personal life. But then I think when he was diagnosed diagnosed mm-hmm. with the illness, mm-hmm. um, that that's real success. Yeah. Um, so lots of people, lots of inspiring people. Um, if you ask me today, it's just, mm. I actually think I, I, I became more endeared to him through his illness than I did through his performances on the rugby field. Yes. And he was a fucking great rugby player. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for sure. Yeah. I think uh, people like that, and I always compare his journey to Ansi Cronier, like they messed up so badly, but then something happens and as you, humanity, we turn around and we, we actually think about the, the good things and that inspires us more. Mm. When uh, you, what kind of a show is this? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> We're talking about meditation. Yeah, yeah. And well, that's how I told you. It's different, right? No, it's the it. digital Kung Fu show I and I can tell you're having fun. Um, when you hear the word punchable, who do you think of? Tick tock, tick tock, tick tock, tick tock. I don't know. Um, Selfless, anyone is selfless. Uh, I would maybe think of, I don't know, anyone that I come across that's that's selfless, that's doing stuff for for their own and not for for other people. Cool. And last question for you: What's your why, minus? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Why is I really want to be the and it's going to sound cliche, but I really want to be the best that that I can be, and that goes across everything in my life. I I don't want to I don't want to go to bed or die one day and think that I could have given it slightly more. Awesome, that concludes your time in the hot seat. Thank you so much. It's been great to get to know you personally and to explore more of who you are as an, as a person, and it's been an absolute joy. Thank you, Matt. Awesome. Thanks, Thank dude. Thank you. Ciao, ciao. Bye. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the Digital Kung Fu Show. It's been an absolute pleasure having you with us. If you'd like more information on Digital Kung Fu, a 
original show notes listing on this particular episode or would like to access our growing community of entrepreneurs, simply check out digitalkungfu.co.za and you can find us all over the social media graph. Until next time. Ever wanted to become a best-selling author? Well, I'm in the influence business and I work with business owners and CEOs and business leaders to help them scale their influence. And we do this as a team by helping you to become a best-selling author, sought-after speaker and industry influencer in only 30 days. My team and I have developed a system that delivers a best-selling book and a launch campaign 300% faster and 50% less cost than anyone else in North America. This system is incredibly efficient. One of my clients Haiku went from a 2% share of voice globally to an 11% share of voice globally in only seven days. If you'd like more information, head on over to showworksmedia.com for more. That is showworks with an X.com.